Hi, this is Chris from PleasureMechanics.com. Welcome to the Speaking of Sex podcast. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Melissa Carnegie from SexPositiveFamilies.com. Before we get started, I want to remind you that you can find a complete podcast archive at PleasureMechanics.com, where you will also find the opportunity to sign up for our free online course, The Erotic Essentials. It offers you a treasure trove of resources to help you build the foundation for your happy, healthy sex life. Also, be sure to check out our erotic mastery courses when you are ready to level up your erotic skills in areas like couples massage, foreplay, butt play, erotic spanking, or kinky sex. Use the code speaking of sex for 20% off the online course of your choice. Today's episode is all about sex positive parenting. And the discussion is a really important one, whether or not you're a parent to young children, we all have children in our lives. And this discussion is all about the steps we can take to be sex positive role models and influencers for the next generation. And this is the core of the conversation of what it means to create a new sex culture and create a happier, healthier world for us all to live in? How can we influence our children to grow up with less shame, less taboo, less risky behavior, and less sexual violence at its core? How can we talk to children about sex in a way to not only keep them safe, but empower them to live sexually healthy lives and break the cycles of sexual violence and sexual shame? So this is a very important conversation to me. And I encourage you to share this episode of the podcast. Email parents in your life, influencers of young children, anyone you know who has contact with young kids and who wants to do a better job being a sex positive role model. Send them a quick email, send them the link to this podcast. And through that network effect, this episode can have a meaningful impact on your communities and protect the children in your life. Because research shows when kids have an honest and open dialogue about sex with the adults in their life, they are safer from sexual harm, they are safer from sexually risky behaviors, and they come into a much more balanced and pleasurable relationship with sexuality as they get older. So please forward this episode. We don't ask you to do that very often. I'm making a personal ask for you to do that with this episode. Thank you. And here is my conversation with Melissa Carnegie, founder of sexpositivefamilies.com. Cheers. I'm Melissa Carnegie, and I'm the founder of Sex Positive Families. And Sex Positive Families is a platform that uh, offers parents, caring adults, and sexual health advocates information, um, content, and resources that support sexual health conversations in families. Uh, so this was started uh, by me uh, after 
working 10 years in the field of sexual health. Um, I'm a licensed social worker in, in Texas, and I've been working at HIV and STD, um, both at the nonprofit level and then as a consultant uh, in the state government. And um, I just kind of felt a little, you know, boxed in and as if there I had more that I wanted to be able to do and to offer in in regards to sexual health. And so, you know, I kind of took a leap of faith and, you know, decided, you know, I'm going to I'm going to kind of step away. And it wasn't but a week after that I had this light bulb moment of uh, when I was talking with a colleague about some a passion that I have, and that's in raising sexually healthy children. And uh, because I'm a parent, I'm a parent of three children. I have an 18 year old, and I have an eight year old, and then a bonus son who's four. And it's always been really important to me, and I've seen the benefits firsthand of raising children who um, have an awareness of the their body and of their sexual health um, as emerging adults. But one thing that I certainly have noticed is that that's these conversations are not comfortable for everyone. They're not comfortable for all parents. And uh, there's actually been you know surveys and research that supports that parents often underestimate their influence and they they think that you know the children's peers or that the media or that you know schools, are higher influencers when it comes to their children's decisions about sex and their body. And so it's interesting because on the flip side, young people in the same survey, uh, this was a survey done by the National Campaign to Prevent Teen and Unplanned Pregnancy, young people said that the highest influencers when it comes to their sex decisions about sex were their parents. So there's a, a huge discrepancy in terms of parents being aware of their influence. So Sex Positive Family seeks to change that and increase parents and caring adults' competence and confidence around sexual health discussions. Competence and confidence. I love that. Yeah. So how does this play out? I feel like the old model is parents bracing themselves for the talk as kids Mm -hmm. hit puberty. Why doesn't that model work? And what do we need to do instead? Right. So the the big thing that we push is early and often. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to have these conversations. Really, the the whole understanding of sexual health. Again, we're, as, as humans, we are sexual beings. And that starts very early on. That starts from the very beginning um, uh, at birth. And as we start to develop bonds with our children and, and uh, attachment styles and intimacy and, and touch, our children get those early messages when they're newborns. And they, um, as they grow and as they develop and they develop, you know, in their language, language skills and in their comprehension of the world around them, there are many, many topics under the umbrella of sexual health that don't even relate, they're not even specific to sex itself, Mm -hmm. um, that we can send messages to them that have to do with safety, body boundaries, um, pleasure, and consent, and those things start early, so that when a child then starts around puberty to move into uh, more uh, cognition around sex and more exposure to sex as we may think of it as adults, then 
if you have started those conversations and laid those the foundation, then it's less likely to be awkward when you're approaching them about sex and you know topics like masturbation and puberty and sexuality um, because you've then created a uh, net of safety and of no shame and no taboo around talking about these different subjects. So you can prepare them you know, over time and also prepare yourself so that it is not this, you know, um, it's not a one and done kind of thing. You know, we don't want to hit them with that awkward, you know, one time conversation, which many times if, if that and when that does happen, if, if, if a parent finds themselves in that situation and they're waiting till puberty or, or till they have a teenager, then often the, the, the teen already has heard a lot of things, whether they're accurate or not, you know, as can be um, questionable, but they've heard a lot of things. And so sometimes the, it, it can, uh, it can, can be a little discrediting in a way, you know, when, when mm-hmm. parents then kind of come and say, well, you know, we're going to talk about this, you know, it, and it's like, I already know about that. You know, when, when in reality, they there's a lot more for them to know about it and a lot of angles to explore. So it's good to start early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a three-year-old daughter, and we are noticing that we are already three years into her sex education. Mm, right? Yep. And the simple thing of when we were picking her up as a baby, talking to her about the fact that we're picking her up. And, yeah. and now I was just noticing last night, we were in bed, and she'll play games while she'll say, tickle me. Okay, stop. Tickle me. Okay, stop. And she has such agency. And I feel like that's been this ongoing conversation. So I think some parents will hear this, you know, and they already have teenagers or adult children. And it's never too late. And it's never too early, right? Exactly. It really, it really isn't because there are just so many, like I said, so many layers and levels to the conversation, you know, as they get older, and we are seeking to prepare them for adulthood and for them to make informed decisions. And when as they enter into relationships, then there's just a different, you know, depth and different angles of the, the topics that we can explore with them that they'll be able to understand, relate and apply to their life as teens. So it, it's, it's, it's never too late. It's also so important to give ourselves compassion because none of us parents are coming into this as sexually healthy whole beings, right? Like we're undoing all of our own stuff yeah. and then trying to teach our children as best as we can. Um, so one of the issues I've been talking a lot about with other parents is online porn mm-hmm. and been encouraging them to talk about porn early and studies are showing that nine-year-olds often have exposure to online porn but the parents I know of nine-year-olds are like oh no they're still young children they're so innocent so how do we straddle this boundary between preparing our children while also trying to respect their their youth and how do we find what's age appropriate right 
So with this topic, I think it's important we have to assess our own children and our own environment because mm-hmm. it, it can vary. So I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's not like a rite of passage that, for example, when your child turns nine, now we got to talk about porn. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, you want to look at a few factors and um, some of them can be, you know, what is their exposure, you know, currently to devices or online, you know, their online presence or interaction. Uh, and especially if it's without supervision or without monitoring, um, that's one indicator um, that it would be time to talk about um, porn and uh, sexual imagery that they may come across. Um, if they have older siblings and, and significantly older siblings um, or fa- or older you know cousins or family members that, again, if they spend a lot of time, then again, these older family members may be having you know certain conversations that are age appropriate or that are they're being exposed to and you know this younger sibling may may end up you know in in that kind of crossfire the exchange of information mm-hmm. um, also if they're in school outside of the home which many kids can be so that right there is you know exposure to a lot of uh, diversity in terms of you know how other children are being raised what other children are being exposed to you know, my son in kindergarten and in first grade um, topics have come up um, about, you know, again, kissing and, um, you know, intimate touch. And even um, last year, you know, sex came up as, as you know, something that was talked about. So, again, there, these are things that you can't control, right? As the parent, you can't control everything that your child is being exposed to. Um, and, if they're obviously if they're asking questions, if your child is curious um, about where babies come from or you know um, their their genitals or other people's genitals, um, then whenever they're asking questions, that's a great time to introduce things. Um, and then the final thing is their exposure to mainstream media. So what does that look like? What kinds of movies do they watch? What kinds of television programming and music do they listen to? If it's, you know, if we're not all, you know, listening to like Mickey Mouse and like, you know, uh, you know, children's songs or Disney, you know, all the time, then chances are they could be um, exposed earlier to some messaging or some content that's suggestive, sexually suggestive, or overt, you know, in terms of intimacy and sex. So evaluating all of those things um, within your own family life and within your own home um, can help to give you information about whether these are top, this is a topic that you want to approach your child with. And I would say that that, I mean, it could be, you know, some parents that I speak with, they have six-year-olds who are bringing up, you know, porn or, you know, uh, they find on their device that they've been searching certain words, you know, asking Siri about, you know, breasts or boobs or, you know, penis or these, these words. And mm-hmm. it's natural for them to be curious about things that they don't, that they don't know the information about. And that's where we as parents can really step in step into our highest influence and help them to understand what they're curious about and what they're seeing. So we, as easy as it may sound to say, we don't want to freak out because it's completely normal for children to be curious about their bodies, about other people's bodies. 
and about sex, again, as you know, their exposure to different messaging comes up. Um, and so, yes, it's the reality is that many children will experience some some sexual imagery via the internet or via apps. You know, there are a lot of these little game apps that kids can play, where just even on the the side in ads, there you know can be these you know kind of busty you know women and uh, characters that are just kind of sitting over there you know <laughs> while they're playing these games. And so it's good to know what types of uh, games and devices and online presence your child has and is interacting with. Um, and YouTube, that's another big one. You know, YouTube, um, if you're if you're not, if you don't have your child doing YouTube kids and they're just doing kind of the the, the regular standard YouTube, then then they can definitely accidentally, you know, stumble a, a, upon some more mature content that they may not be ready for. And how do you think about the balance between approaching kids with conversations versus waiting for them to ask? Um, what is that landscape like for you? So for me, I think that, you know, again, as you present, as you allow your child to inter intersect with these different forms of media, which is often where they can receive these these messages or images, then it's a good time to talk with them for you to initiate the conversation. And in kind of the context of responsibility and of safety. And, you know, I always tell, you know, my son that, you know, my number one job is to make sure that you are safe and that you're, you're well. And I, you know, part of me trying to do my best in that is to make sure that the things that you play with, that, you know, definitely as you're playing with your device or, you know, watching television, that we are on the same page about whether this is really, whether you're really ready for this, because there are going to be some things that you're not really ready. And, you know, my son, like I said, is eight. And we've uh, started, uh, when he was seven, we started reading It's Not the Stork. Um, and so he has uh, some, some foundational knowledge about, you know, where babies come from and about genitals and the body. And so I think that, again, if you're starting conversations with them before, you know, again, as their minds are developing and trying to understand these concepts of, you know, their body and, and, um, you know, relationship with others in, in these sexual ways, um, that it, it, it doesn't become, you know, when you start talking about then sexual images or, you know, images of, of naked bodies, you know, that aren't their own or, you know, things like that, then you have something to kind of draw from. They're, they're not necessarily looking at you blankly because, you know, you've, you've started some, some earlier foundational messages. So mm -hmm. I've been able to talk with him about, you know, the responsibilities that we have to, um, we want to make sure he doesn't get overexposed to some things that could feel really confusing, you know, or just could be not a healthy representation of what sex or intimacy are or what our bodies, you know, really look like because our bodies come in all different, you know, shapes and sizes. And so he he really understands at, at this age and with with the conversations that we've had, that that's really a, res a responsibility that we both value and that we both honor. And especially when it comes to, as he's interacting with other friends and with his peers, mm -hmm. then 
I make sure he knows that, you know, we here, I, I, I believe knowledge is power and I want you to be so powerful, but we have to respect that your friends, that their parents, we want to give them the ability to have these same types of conversations and to decide how they want to talk to their kids about it. So these aren't things that we want to just go, you know, sharing out on the playground or with our friends because we don't want to disrespect their home and their values and their parents' ability to have these great conversations with them. And so I kind of frame it as look at this bonding that we get to do and this information that I get to give you, but we want to respect other families and you know, let them make the decision about how they want to talk about these things. Hmm. Did you say you have an older daughter? I do. Yeah, she's she's 18. She's a freshman in college. And and really, um, a lot of this work also has been influenced by having raised a child through, you know, all of the years that, you know, we tend to, 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 target, you know, for is like, gosh, we just, we want to get them off to college, right? Mm. <laughs> we just hang on, you know, there's there, it can be so much to parenting. Um, and I've seen uh, with her, and, and because especially in American culture, it, there can be different experiences for, for different, you know, gendered children and our young girls, um, our, our girl identifying children, they can have it tougher, you know, when it comes to their body image and the sexual messaging that's out there about women and 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 female bodies and all of that. And so I think it's it's really important, you know, that that again we start early with these talks. So same thing, you know, I was reading books with her back then. She did grow up with a mom who was working in sexual health. And so she mm-hmm. also uh, tagged along as, you know, at, at different events that, you know, I was uh, a part of and, you know, different speaking things that I did along the way. So she did, um, in that sense, I also. I also had to kind of, you know, prepare her and have some age appropriate talks with her so that it created some context for the work that I was doing. Um, and so along the way, and definitely as she approached her teen years and started, you know, getting into some, you know, the, the more sexual uh, sort of discussions and interactions with peers and, you know, things that came up, it was so helpful. It was so helpful that we laid that foundation um, we really just can talk very openly, you know, just, just recently we had a great discussion about oral sex. Um, and I really want her and, and all of my children to understand pleasure and that this is not just about reproduction, you know, when it comes to sex, it's not just about these reproductive organs and, you know, making babies or getting married or these certain things. I, I want to make sure that they, they can feel confident about their bodies and they understand the responsibility that they enter into whenever they, you know, choose to have um, sexual relationships with someone else or intimate relationships with someone else. So again, we talk about consent and boundaries, and so it's it's really paid off as as I see her entering the college environment, <laughs> and uh, she also, you know, talks very openly about the varying. Um, backgrounds of a lot of peers, you know, who it's clear and it's obvious that they're experimenting with things that are sexual, but it's because it's, it's not from a place of, of, of real knowledge or awareness. It's they're, they're truly just kind of crash course experimenting because they're free and they can do that now. And that was just something I, I really 
I didn't want her to to do. I wanted her to be able to feel empowered to make an informed decision about when she's ready to take that step. Yeah. And the only way she can do that is if she has the information. And so I have to, I had to push past, you know, any discomfort that I had along the way and open up those discussions so that I can give her the knowledge. Do you have any strategies speaking about <clears throat> discomfort? If our kids come to us with a question that we are totally unprepared to talk with them about. Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay to just say, you know, that's a great question. Let me think about mm-hmm. it and we'll talk about it soon. What are yes. your strategies when you just feel kind of you're cooking dinner and all of a sudden the topic of condoms comes up and you just don't feel ready? What yes. can parents do? Um, so exactly what you said is what I recommend. I think honesty is the best policy. <laughs> so if you're feeling caught off guard, there's a question that comes up at you know a time when it's just not the right time, you know to to uh, discuss it, or that you don't you know you know that you may need to maybe look some stuff up before, or you you know that you want to have... Go to sexpositivefamilies.com. <laughs> there you go. You know that you want to get gather up your resources first before you try to have this conversation. Then exactly like you said, just acknowledge that and say, that is a great question. And I want to make sure that you have the information that you need, and then I can give you, give you my full attention. So let's talk about this and kind of say, you know, sometime soon, right? You don't want to, you don't want to say, let's talk about it. And then you never actually talk about it. You've mm-hmm. got to make sure that you follow through. So you want to be realistic and uh, honest about your intentions. And so you could say, you know, let's, let's talk about that tonight, you know, before, you know, we go to bed or later this evening, you want to also think about, you know, when would, when would feel like a, a good, safe, comfortable time and space to have that conversation. Um, so that, yeah, I just say, be, be honest, be honest, affirm their curiosity, make sure that that creates that sense of safety, that they can ask you anything and nothing is a stupid question, um, except, you know, that question that they don't ask. And so you want to, you want to reinforce that by, you know, that the reaction that you have and that it's a a welcoming response that you give them and that you actually follow through. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this um, piece of like doing sex positive parenting at your own level and your own values, like that might be really different for different people with different Mm -hmm. value systems, but it all can be shame busting Mm -hmm. and truth telling. Right. But one parent might talk about vibrators and one parent might never talk about vibrators. Exactly. And what do you think is the role of other adults in the child's community is it useful to identify other adults that are safe to ask questions if you know if the kids don't want to come to you if they feel a little embarrassed is it important to build a sex positive community around your child Absolutely. Yes, it's, it can feel like a lot of pressure, right? It can feel like a lot of pressure to have to, you know, be that primary um, influence. Uh, So help, help yourself out, it takes a village. And so that is one of the the things for sure, I I have this downloadable tool um, that is available to uh, families, if they sign up for our email list, it's called preparing for the sex talks. Um, And one of the the components that I take a parent through is identifying those supports. And um, so whether that is the there's if there is another parent or parents that the child has, then 
having discussions with them about um, your values around these different topics and, and get an understanding of theirs so that you can see, you know, what pages you all are on. And it's not not going to be about trying to get everybody on the same page because everyone's had their own sexual health journey and their own experiences that can inform their present day, you know, comfort levels or knowledge or awareness on all of these topics. So it's just good to, to check in and to, you know, engage them to find out. That way it can help you identify or filter out, you know, maybe there's an area that this other individual is really confident in or really strong in or has some great personal experience to lend to the child. Whereas maybe for you, not so much, right, in that particular topic. So you can, that that's a great, you know, then tool resource that you can defer, you know, your child to not necessarily from a you know go ask your dad you know kind of thing but you know just from a place of you know let that's a great question and you know your your aunt so-and-so or or your mom or whatever you know that other adult um you know really has some some great information on that let's let's find a time where we can talk with them because i want to make sure that you have you know the best information um so yes it also, definitely other community members, you know, whether it's teachers or counselors at the school um, and, you know, they're counselors in general. Um, there are just a lot of options and it shouldn't shouldn't be something that you should feel that you take on alone when you're uh, exploring, you know, sexual health, because it also shows to your child when you reach out for these other resources it shows to them again that this is not something to be ashamed of or to be secretive or private about that we're all humans and we all you know have these types of experiences and we can we can call upon you know each other as resources mm -hmm. i'm curious what you think about the generational leaps that are happening you know so i didn't meet gay people until I was a late teenager. Whereas mm -hmm. my daughter is growing up with two moms and most of our friends are in two mom and two dad families. We have mm -hmm. transgender friends. Um, and just the, the way sex culture is changing so quickly, I'm mm -hmm. noticing that there are things that weren't even in my vocabulary that my three-year-old now is totally comfortable with and aware of. So how do we learn from our kids? How do we pay attention to youth culture and where culture is moving towards and allow it to inform our perspectives as parenting and not think, oh, she needs to wait till she's a teenager to think about transgender issues when she might have a transgender kid in her first grade class, right? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that, like you said, our our world especially you know these days and in you know the political climate that we're in is um is advancing and is becoming in in a lot of ways a lot more inclusive um and it's creating these opportunities for us to have these conversations with young people even like something such as going to the restroom in a public restroom. And now we're starting to see restrooms identify as, you know, all genders and they're having different photos, you know, on uh, these, you know, placards mm -hmm. that represent different, um, you know, gender identities and that diversity. And so being able to 
use these things that are around us that we see are changing or as news stories are happening, you know, um, for example, the, um, the club, you know, that was that, um, what was it in Florida? And I'm, I'm not remembering the name of the club right now, but, uh, when that incident happened where the you know, terrorist, I will say, um, killed a lot of folks in the, um, in that particular gay club, mm-hmm. um, that was a, that was a historical event. And my child, um, Certainly, because that was something that was going on the news. And, you know, even if you're not somebody that's plugged in as a family into the news, again, your child is going into these other social environments often where people are. And so being able to stay kind of, you know, abreast and keeping, you know, one ear or one eye on the world around us, um, because, you know, he asked questions. And so I, I did. I had conversations with him and I, I didn't, I never want to scare him, you know, with these kinds of things, especially when it's, you know, violence involved or anything, but there are just some realities about the world around us and that not everyone is, uh, is, uh, you know, understanding, not everyone is loving, not everyone is uh, respectful of diversity. And so when we can talk to our children about the different kinds of diversity that exist in in others and how we can respect that and why we need to respect that, then it can help give them, you know, a different lens when different events come up. Um, and we can definitely, we shouldn't be afraid, you know, to ask them, you know, do you know anyone? Do you have any friends who, you know, are gay? Or do you have any, you know, friends who are transgender? And, you know, again, as again, as they move through in, in their ages, we can ask them those questions, just ask, stay curious, and let them answer. And if, if at that moment, that's when, you know, they, uh, you know, may say, you know, I I don't know what that is, or what does that mean, then you can open up that conversation. And I don't believe at all that that's then overexposing um, to something that they're not ready for, because the reality is that these are other human beings. And these are, you know, folks that, that deserve respect and love and period. Like, I I don't know truly what my son's um, sexual identity is, or, you know, full gender identity is like, he's identifying as a boy as of, you know, as of now, but, you know, something like that. I don't know, over time, if it shifts, or if anything changes, I want him to know that he has a safe place in our home, and that he's always loved, and that there is an expectation that, you know, we extend love to others regardless of any of these, you know, components of who they are. We get to know who someone is and we allow them to tell us who they are. And it's not just in the context of these of these different labels or identities. Mm-hmm. And we, it's so important that we honor how important this work is. You know, as mm-hmm. adult sex educators, so many of the struggles we see are rooted in shame and fear and ignorance that stems from childhood. And so we're really transforming a generation by having these conversations. It's so profound. Yes. And again, I, the biggest thing that I try to impress and is part of the mission is that parents and caring adults are the 
highest influencers. And I really believe that, you know, we we set that tone because certainly when many of us reflect on our sexual health journey and what was it like when we were coming up and the caretakers that were in our lives and how and whether conversations about sex, sexual health, you know, or if 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 we experience any levels of, of trauma or abuse surrounding sex or our bodies, those things all end up informing how we move forward and what messages we take away about ourselves and about the world around us. So we are in a really awesome position as parents and as caring adults to be able to ch- change the story, you know, for, for our children. And, um, it does require us to, some of us that may have not grown up in a, in a sex positive environment to challenge our, our thinking and really do some reflecting and identify some values that make sense for us that may be different than what we learned and what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. And modeling this can be healing for us as adults too. Definitely. Yeah. So sexpositivefamilies.com is less than a year old. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. In just uh, six months. So what do you offer right now? And where are you going? How can people tap into you as a resource? So um, like I mentioned, we have a downloadable tool um, preparing for the sex talks. And uh, my my goal is to continue to create more tools and resources that um, help folks really think uh, create action plans when it comes to talking to their children about these different topics. Um, Separate from that, I am constantly creating, um, you know, content that just hits at, you know, key points across these different topics of the under the umbrella of sexual health. So there's, there's a lot that you can read on the website and take away from it. Um, I'm always accessible. Um, I I do one-on-one coaching with parents and uh, families and caring adults. Um, So that's, you know, I'm I'm answering questions that folks have or addressing, you know, uh, suggestions or uh, scenarios that they have that have presented with their children. And I, again, want to make sure that parents feel empowered that, you know, often they do already have the answers. And sometimes it's just them needing to you know, hear that what they're experiencing is normal with their child, you know, and that they uh, have permission to certainly try to approach these topics. And then it's just linking them with certain resources that can help. And so we have a reading list of over 100 books, and we separated them by age categories, and also with a section for the parents, for the adults, um, because we've certainly found that books um, are a great tool to help stimulate the conversations and make them feel less um, uh, intimidating and give visuals, which are really helpful when you're talking about a lot of these topics. Um, and we have a podcast. We have a podcast now mm-hmm. that is is new, and we are uh, interviewing uh, folks that you know work in in the field, experts in this work, and also interviewing real parents that are living sex positive lifestyles and that are strengthening discussions in their own home. So we can talk about the um, successes, and we can talk about the challenges of raising sexually healthy children. Beautiful. And you can find that all at sexpositivefamilies.com. Yes. And we will link that up at pleasuremechanics.com. Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. 
Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Melissa of sexpositivefamilies.com. Definitely go check out her website. It is an amazing resource. I told her creating a resource about sex positive parenting has been on my to-do list for five years. And as soon as I discovered her website, I crossed it off my to-do list because she has nailed it. It's a beautiful resource. It's comprehensive. It's well-organized. You're going to find loads of information there, no matter how old the children in your life are. And again, please pass on this episode. Send an email to the parents and caregivers and influencers of children you know, and together we can make a real impact on the next generation. Thank you to Melissa for doing her amazing work. Thank you for listening to this podcast and doing your part in creating a healthier sexual future for us all. I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. Cheers.